Living Corporate is brought to you by The Access Point. The reality is, this is the largest influx of black and brown talent corporate America has ever had. And as a result, a variety of talent entering the workforce are first-generation professionals. The other reality? Most of these folks aren't learning what it means to navigate a majority white workplace in their college classes. Enter The Access Point a live weekly web show within the Living Corporate Network that gives black and brown college students the real talk they need and likely haven't heard elsewhere. Every week, our hosts and special guests are dropping gems, so don't miss out. Check out The Access Point, airing every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard on livingcorporate.tv. Hey everybody, this is See It To Be It, the now Wednesday podcast from Living Corporate. Living Corporate is a digital media network that centers and amplifies black and brown people at work. My name is Amy C. Wanninger and I'm the host of See It To Be It. When I was growing up in rural Southern Indiana, I didn't know people who went to college or who worked in professional roles. People who went to college didn't come back. But this show isn't about me, it's about the guests. Every week, I bring you career stories from everyday role models in jobs you may not know exist. More importantly, the folks I interview share their perspectives as black and brown professionals in jobs and environments where they may be the only. My guest today is Katrina Roddy. She's the author of a book called Steal Your Skills from Corporate and the founder of The Corporate Breakup, before we get to the interview, we're going to tap in with Tristan for some career advice. What's going on, y'all? It's Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting, and I've teamed up with Living Corporate to bring you all a weekly career tip. This week, let's talk about networking, but in a way that most of us don't consider or sometimes downright avoid. Oftentimes, when we hear the word networking, it brings up images of rooms filled with people that we don't know and the anxiety of having to participate in small talk for the next two hours. But what if I told you there's another way to connect with people that is not only a bit easier for most, but research shows tends to be more beneficial? Many of us overlook the value in reaching out to old high school, college, and work friends that we've lost touch with. These connections are known as dormant connections. But the research shows that reaching out to these people can open up a whole new world of resources. Just think about it. These people aren't running in the same circles as you, which means that they more than likely have access to information and resources that you and your current circle aren't privy to. They've been meeting different people and learning different things in the last few years, so they can open up whole worlds you didn't know existed. Also, you typically already have a relationship with these people, so it tends to be easier to reach out to reconnect. Just don't dive into asking for favors right away. Take some time to research what they've been up to, try to find a way to be of service to them, and simply ask for insight. You'll be amazed at what they may come back with. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Leadership Range, a podcast within the Living Corporate Network. Hosted by globally certified and Fortune 500 executive coach and leadership development expert Neil Edwards, 
the leadership range is focused on having real, raw, soulful and accountable conversations about inclusive leadership, allyship, professional development. Every week is a new episode with new learning and new actions to take on to grow inclusively. Make sure you check out the leadership range everywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to See It To Be It. My guest today is Katrina Roddy. Katrina is the best-selling author of, and I love this title, Steal Your Skills From Corporate. She's an entrepreneur coach who coaches on the mindset it takes to transition from employee status to becoming a new entrepreneur. And for those of you who have listened to the show before, you know that I'm absolutely fascinated with this topic because I made this jump a few years ago and it's a completely different skill set, but you're still going to use everything you ever had. So welcome to the show, Katrina. Thank you for having me. That was a great intro. I need to take you around to all of my uh, intros. I would be glad to do it. I would be glad to be your hype man because I am such a big fan of yours. Thank so you. um, we met through a friend of the show, Deidre Wright, yes. correct? Yep. And um, I always like telling people kind of how I meet people that are on the show because I get asked that a lot. Like, how do you know yeah. all these people? Um, networking. That's how you know people. Yeah. I listened to your pot. I listened to your interview with Deidre and was fascinated. So yes, I am a fan of yours as well. I love it. So we're having this mutual fan fest going on, but I want to start with like, so you wrote this book, steal your skills from corporate. And I will get back to that. I promise. But I want to talk about like your career journey through corporate. Okay. And kind of what that narrative looks like, you know, where, where all did you travel and, and what kind of led you through? Wow. So I started in corporate at the ripe age of 18. I graduated high school in June. I started my corporate job in July. And it was all it was all planned that way because I had gone to a college that was a strict business school. And so prior to entering um, into your first semester, they had to find you a job. So I, because I qualified for this program, so you had to find a job. And for me, it was supposed to be in um, a legal because I was in a legal program. So there were 38 females that qualified for this program, 29 of them got a job at a law firm. And one, well, I'm just going to say me. (laughs) I couldn't get a job at a law firm to save my life. So it was down to the last two weeks. And I recalled my coordinator saying, we got to get you into a job or you got to wait for next semester in order to enroll. And there was an insurance company that came in and said, we love her. We're putting her in our legal staff. And that's how I got introduced to insurance through their legal staff. But from there, I just started exploring all kinds of areas of insurance and landed at a very prestigious area called national accounts or major accounts. And these were accounts that you worked on, like, um, you know, like a Costco, like a Saks Fifth Avenue, Discover Card, Post Serial. These are some of the clients that I had along the way. And it really shaped me into being a true relationship manager. So from the age of 18 through 48-ish or a little bit less than that um, is is my career in corporate insurance before I let go. So 30 years of insurance career. That is amazing. And I'm going to tell you that based on every lawyer I've ever talked to, asking them, I usually start the conversation with, I always wanted to be a lawyer. What's it like? I'm going to tell you, I think you dodged a bullet by going into the insurance industry. I think I did. I think (laughs) I did. And it's so funny that you say that because a lot of the other individuals that got into the law firms, 
I was learning all kinds of stuff. I'd come back and say, I learned this because my job would have to report back to the school, the things that I was doing and learning. And they would come back and say, the lawyers don't trust us. We're 18. So we just have to like, you know, go get their coffee, go get, you know, file papers, or, you know, we weren't able to read over documents. The insurance company let me do whatever I wanted to. They're like, she's in learning mode and she's in school. So let her do that. Amy, you're going to laugh at this, but I remember when we first got our first PC at the company, it was hilarious because I knew how to use it because I was in college and that's all we used in school. And so I remember the manager coming around and said, the only person that could use this, it said in the middle, like an island, only person that could use this is Katrina because she's the only one who knows how to use it. So I do oh my, my homework. Gosh. I do everything on it every day. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's quite the clout that they gave you. Yeah. To say, okay, she's the only one. She's the only one that gets to play with the new toy. Yeah. And there was a, there was an older lady that was in our department. Um, I'll never forget. Her name was Jean and she was part of the typing pool. And she'd tell on me every day She'd go Katrina's using that, that thing. And then they come around and say, she has permission to use it because we don't know how she knows how. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I really dated myself at that point. <laughs> no, that is hilarious. And, you know, and I got to think that there were a lot of women in the office who were pretty, for lack of a better term, pissed off. Yeah. That hear this, this young girl. Yeah. Because I was a young girl. I remember what that was like. This young girl comes in and gets to do something they don't get to do. I got to do a lot of stuff they didn't do because I could figure it out. I would think about us now when we call in our kids to help us with our anything electronic, anything right. technology. I, I always call my son, but that was me back then. So I was part of change for that industry. Um, and I knew that I could feel that. But I don't, you know, sometimes I think they didn't quite make the whole change. By the time I, you know, was in my 30th year in the career, you can definitely see some things that could have been better. So, yeah. Now I want to get back to this notion of national accounts because I've talked to a lot of insurance professionals on this show, but I don't think I've ever had anybody that sat in that seat. And so for the people who don't understand the insurance industry, and you and I talked about this, once you've been in the insurance industry, it's kind of like having infrared vision on society, right? Yeah. Because you don't just see what's in front of you, but you see all the, all the mechanisms behind it that made it happen. Right. You see all of, all of the transactions and all of the dealings that got it to the place where, you know, they were able to build a house in this neighborhood or put a retail spot here and get merchandise in and bring in workers. Right. Because there's like this invisible web of insurance transactions that has to happen. So for people who don't understand national accounts, oh man, let's break this down because big companies, you mentioned Costco. Yeah. So if you think about everything Costco owns, touches, or spends money on has to be insured and not just once, but a lot of different times, right? Yeah. And it's not only the products, it's the people. So I, you know, the people have to be insured and then the vehicles, if they drive any, have to be insured, the trucks that come in. And then if the property itself has to be insured. They don't have one property. You've seen Costco, they're stacked. They have all of these properties. All of those things have to be insured. And um, 
you know, when, when people want to compare the company or national to, if you want a true comparison, State Farm used to come to us for insurance. All state came to us for insurance. That's how big we were. So we work on big accounts that at that level. And when you think about this infrared that you have, it's to the hundredth power. So you'd never imagine, like for example, um, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue has two zip codes and they're right across the street from each other. And so you don't know that, but when you're in national, these are things that you figure out. You figure out, you know, where their location's at and one zip code versus the other zip code. When you look at a place like, um, say for example, the University of Chicago, you have to think about if something happened at the universe, who will be affected? And it's all of the people who live in the neighborhood. It's a neighborhood college. You think about those things. So my vision and my thought process took me way overboard because I could think beyond things and because maybe I've seen a claim come through for that. Or maybe I've seen, you know, how we have to have two different effective dates for a plan because it's so big. You can't do all of the insurance in one day. You may have to do it, you know, next year. So it, it, those are just huge, but that was my world. So it took three to five years typically to like write one of these accounts. And when I say write, I mean, find one of them and have coverage for it because you had to cover all of their employees. You had to cover all of their autos and there were different programs. So it, it technically was a financial play the entire time. That yeah, was because what they're doing is they're saying like, if this facility collapses, yeah, we can't be out all that money ourselves. Or if this employee runs over somebody in the parking lot, we can't be right. We can't just take money out of the cash register and pay that bill. And they've got to think about this stuff writ large, right? Like thousands of employees, hundreds of locations, probably hundreds of vehicles, or if not thousands, Thousands not to mention all of that stock, they got to bring that, that all of the stuff in that they sell from China and Mexico and the Philippines and wherever else, all of that has to be insured while it's on the boats and the planes and the trains to get there. Yeah. I mean, it is like, I, I get goosebumps and giddy about this kind of conversation. One other thing they have to think about is the weather. You got locations everywhere and weather is different everywhere. So you have to be prepared for that in every situation and every, um, I can't even imagine, I was out of it way before last year when the pandemic hit, but I can't even imagine what they had to do or what they had to go through because of these businesses and what they're doing. So that business interruption, right? If they have to close, then what? I mean, it's, there's just so much, so so the skills that you built, let's talk about that because your yeah. book is about stealing your skills yep. from corporate. But I mean, the skills, strategic thinking, systems yep. thinking. Um, I'm just, whenever I think about this Critical kind of a thinking. job, yeah. I think about you're looking at a million cogs all the time trying to figure out how do they work together and wow. which one's going to go bad first. Yeah. Yep. And so what I, my, my position, I was a sales exec. So my job was to go and kind of prospect these accounts, you know, who works them, who can I work with to bring in this type of account in the door. So I work with brokers, insurance brokers who, who know these accounts and they're close to the, the client. Um, and then when that happened, say they wanted to put an account with me or they wanted to use us. I then would get the account, 
and I would create a team around it. I had a loss control professional and loss control just means what can we do to prevent a loss from happening? Loss prevention is where you can think about it. I had a claims person on it. What happens if we do get a claim? That's who I had to call. I had a risk management consultant. After we do this and we, you know, how can we manage the risk going forward? I had an underwriter. I need someone to look at all of those exposures and, and figure out where do I put things or how do I price this or have the knowledge to know all of the forms and what the documents do. Work with letter of credits, work with banks. I needed that underwriter. Uh, the underwriter was my right hand. I would always have an underwriter no matter who else. And then I would have different people based on what that account needed. So I would always get the account first and then I would form a team around it. And my job was to basically shuffle and manage this team so that we can, we can have a win. We can have an account and make sure after we get the account, this team is still working pretty well because next year we got to renew it. And then we got to renew it again. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So mind blowing the, <laughs> the relationship building, you know, I talk a lot about networking, building your network. These are not relationships that happen overnight. No, 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 no. Not working with a national account. If you're working on a national account, remember I'm working with CFOs, treasurers. Sometimes the CEO is there, the risk manager, HR consultants. I'm working with a group of individuals who make it happen at that company. And so they're not just going to look over and say, yeah, I'm going to put it with that person. They have to trust you and you build that up over time. If it takes three to five years to get that account, that's when you, you're in there and you have to know them. They have to know you. They have to know what you're about. Now you're getting referrals from the broker. Hey, I've worked with this person before. We can get this done. Like it's a lot that involves. And when I was in it, you don't think about it because you're just running. You're just doing everything you're supposed to be doing. But now that I'm sitting here talking to you about it, I'm like, wow, it was a lot. <laughs> and you were 18 when you started, which is amazing. Yes. I just built my way up to that point where, yeah, I came in, I had a different mindset. I could, you know, I'd made sure that things happened. So that is what helped me become a great listener, because I think that's the, the biggest part of communication is listening and understanding what they need. And once you do understand that, now I can tell my team, I can form my team and say, these are the things that they're looking for. This is how we go in. This is how we shine. Yeah. It's amazing to me um, that from where you started to where you got yeah, um, and how quickly and how successfully, you know, you were able to navigate that space because, you know, first of all, you're talking about people that it's an old boys club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you did not have the advantage of being an old boy. No, no, no. So can you talk a little bit about how you built trust, not just with that age differential, right? And and trying to, I mean, really high stakes relationships. Yeah. But also, you know, there's, I kind of see it as like the more, the more social distance between people, yeah. right? The more difference between people the harder it is and the longer it takes to build that kind of trust. How were you able to infiltrate these spaces that were very white, very male, very stuffy? Yeah. And I'm, I'm putting a lot of my own assumptions in here so you can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> nope. Not wrong yet. Not wrong yet. Okay. But how did you, how did you work your way into these spaces and build trust so quickly? Well, it wasn't quickly. 
Um, but what I can tell you, and I started off by saying this before, when I came in and just that the situation I gave you with the PC, I knew that they were changing. Like you could see change and I was part of that change. And that's what I appreciated. I was part of that change. And so you can see slowly over time, the clients started to change. And when the clients change, it forces the companies to change because you have to be in line with what they're looking for. And I can give you a perfect example. There was one account that we had that came in. It was prospect that we were out looking for it. And they're huge on diversity. I mean, huge. They had programs together. You could see it throughout their company, the diversity train that you could find. And it was fascinating. So what our company decided to do, I didn't work on this particular account. I could see my coworker working on it. And so we go out and they loved us. They loved our service. They love what we can provide. They love everything about it. However, we did not get the account because we came in with everything they needed, but we did, we were not diverse enough. So they didn't see any females on the team. They didn't see any color, people of color on the team. They didn't see any like young versus, they didn't see age differences on the team. They just saw what I like to call the March of the Penguins. <laughs> These guys came in with their suits on and they did their job and they presented and they, they clearly told them we have to go with someone else because we're huge in diversity and we'd like to see that in someone we partner with. So when the companies, the corporations started changing, then it forces the insurance or well, the companies that I've worked for make those changes as well. So to answer your question, how was I able to get in? It's because of me, just being myself, me being myself knowing that now this whole team, you know, some of my, some of the people that I work with or the companies I work with were all women. They had an all women management team. So then I'd fit in there. So it was just different. And you kind of knew that you can look at some accounts and tell where they are and what space they're in. Um, and we were divided up to, you know, look at those accounts and take a deep dive and see how can we be most effective. So that, that's just my answer. I'd never, I never gave up who I was as a person. Continue to be me. Just me. What you see is what you get. Well, I got to tell you, I think just being you is your best bet yeah. anywhere and everywhere. And I mean that specific, not just in the general, that's true for everyone, everywhere. but Katrina, specifically for you, just keep, like, if I could be you, I'd be you everywhere <laughs> I went, because I think you're fabulous. Oh, <laughs> It's like be yourself, but you can't be yourself unless you can be Batman and then be Batman. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to be yourself unless you can be Katrina. And, you know, and it's easy to sit back and say, you know, you can't, you just be yourself, just be yourself. Right. Um, but when you're put in situations where you don't get to speak first, because you start to think I need to figure out my way to the front of the table. I'm not going to keep sitting back here and someone else is throwing out ideas that they may have heard from me. So that was me the whole time. He's not going to say what I'm about to say. So I'm going to say it first. Like it became competitive with these guys. And I'm, I'm a competitive person. There's athletes in my family. So that was part of it too. So when I say be me, those were some of the things and some of the skills or talents I may have had. Um, and, and people wanted to listen more to maybe a woman speaking. 
They didn't want a guy coming in barking at them about different things. They didn't want, they wanted someone who may have had a little more compassion. I, you know, I'm a mom. I'm like all of these things and they all make up who I am as a person. So that's what I showed up with. There were times that I was intimidated, always intimidated until I decided, not nah, what am I intimidated for? We do the same thing. I, I get the same, I get the same reviews. May not get the same pay, but we get the same reviews. But that's a whole nother show. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to, I want to just dive into this a little bit more because, you know, when you talk about all these things that you were able to do, right, all of, all of the skills that you had, all of the strengths that you brought to this and the talents, the natural eunice yes. of, of how you did your job, what gave you the idea then um, for this book, steal your skills from corporate? Because... I knew for a fact, when I got laid off, I was devastated. I was devastated because we were in national. We were in a prestige area of insurance. We didn't see the um, turnover like other, because these relationships that we built. So we kind of dodged a bullet a, a few times. And so this last time they came and said, we're restructuring a business. And we're thinking about getting rid of the sales team. Not thinking about, we are. We're going to get rid of the sales team. I remember my boss calling me at the time saying, hey, just want to let you know, they're probably going to get rid of me today. There's been some conversation. And I'm like, holy crap. Now he's telling me this stuff. He calls me back two hours later and says, "Um, they're getting rid of all of us. So I'm like, ah. And I had been in management before. I've been a director before. So I know what happens after that. You start get the emails, you get the calendar invites, you get like you get these things and they started coming in really quickly. But the rest of my team didn't know because they hadn't been in management. So I'm like, and it's that silence that you have to keep and you know what's about to happen. And all of these things were happening. So at that point, I knew for sure I did not want to go back to corporate. Because I had a plan. I was like, you know, five years from now, I'm going to be gone anyway, doing my own thing. So be careful. Words will manifest. And it just happened sooner than that. So that is what I knew for sure. I didn't want to go back. So then I dived into becoming an independent contractor for another company because I thought that was a natural progression. It'll give me some sense of building a business, but then I also still have a foot in corporate. And that's when I realized that I didn't want that foot in there anymore. I wanted to have both feet as an, a full-blown entrepreneur because after I've worked in this area for so long, be a sales exec, to go and try to do something new with another company and now they're telling you, do this or do that. And I'm like, I don't know. Don't really want to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that for you. And a lot it's of times when you go into a new company, even though you have all of this knowledge and all of this experience, they didn't care, right? They treat you like, yeah. like Freddie first year, right? You're in there and, and they're like, and you know, and they're giving you like the basics, like here's how to have a handshake and here's, here's how to do how this. Here's how to have and, a phone conversation is what I got. And here's time. a script. And you're like, I don't need a script. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing it for, I know how to talk to people. So that was my, I thought was my natural progression. So an independent contractor. And I learned so much in there because that company taught me how to interact with people on a personal level. Because remember, I did national accounts. I always worked with these big companies, but then to be intimate with a person and, and try to build a relationship there was totally different than building a relationship over a three to five year period. You get three to five minutes to build a relationship versus three to five years. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. So I, I learned, you know, every step that I've taken along the way, I just learned from, I learned from everything that I do and keep moving and apply that. So back to the book, I'm sorry, I got off track. But when I was at this other company, I started doing a ton of networking events because that's my world, a ton of networking events. And what happened was I'd go to these events um, and I'd just be me. I would learn, I could talk to them about budgeting. I could talk to them about what the what their business looks like and their insurance for it and how to build a relationship. I could talk to them about everything and they would literally come to me and ask me to do those things. And I do it, no charge. I just go in, I didn't even know you're supposed to charge. So I'm so used to teaching people things. And one lady pulled me to the side and said, honey, you give out too much free information. This is your job now. And that's when I said, holy crap. I do have some things that I see other entrepreneurs are seeking. They're looking for, they're taking classes to do these things. And I have that and I've gained it over a period of time. And so that's when I decided to compile it all and put it in one area. And that was the book. So I let her literally say, steal your skills from corporate, take everything you've learned and more because corporate could be a metaphor for life. There are a lot of people who may not have been in corporate and listening to this saying, I don't know if that applies. I've never been in corporate. I've never learned those things. You have some, you have some skills. You could have been a soccer mom. I was a swim mom for years. So I know how it works when they want you to run concessions or they want you to pull together a carpool. All of those things are organizing skills. So you have these things and you just have to take someone to to help you pull those out. And that's what I do in my coaching. Love it. And it is so true, right? We, we all do these things. Some of them we do naturally. Yep. Some of them we acquire over time. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite quotes I read, um, Steve Martin wrote an autobiography called Born Standing Up. Okay. And it was absolutely fascinating to read. I love Steve Martin. Oh, I love him. And his throwaway jokes are better than everybody else's like openers, right? Like he's just so brilliant. But one of the lines in this book, he talks about, you know, his, his very first job. And if you think you can't take a, take something away from any job, get this. His first job was selling lassos at Disneyland. What? So he learned how to use the lassos. He learned how to like do lasso tricks. Yeah. And later he was in a movie um i think it was three amigos where he had to do lasso tricks and he had he had this mentor who said to him when he was young and he was trying to get started in show business said you will use everything you've ever done that is true and i look back over my career as you look back over yours as our listeners look back over theirs you do you reuse everything you've ever done why because you've got that tool in your toolbox and it would be stupid to leave it there it's now it's in your, it's in your brain. Now you have it and you're going to revert back to it and say, Oh, I remember when this used to happen. I remember this. Yeah, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with you. I love it. So, okay. So you put the book out. Yep. Um, you're doing coaching now for entrepreneurs. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that. So my company is called the corporate breakup and rightfully so because breaking up from corporate can be very, it can be very hard for a lot of people. And what I learned through it is when I first started coaching and I'm helping people pull their skills and, you know, it, that became a no brainer because I could see what skills they had. Remember I was in insurance. I can see things. Maybe you can't see, I could pull these skills from you. You got infrared vision. (laughs) 
connection. <laughs> and I'd help them pull their skills. But what I learned, oh my God, and this was very quickly, is that a lot of people, they were very grateful for that, but they had to learn how to get over the fear of transition. So transitioning from an employee mind to becoming the an entrepreneur is something totally different. I had Huge to do it. Shift. And then I started thinking back to when I was going through it and, and relating it to them, understanding this is how you're going to feel. I'm sorry. You go through anger, you go through sleep disturbances, you go through anxiety. All of these things are happening and they don't stop because you're like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so it is the same thing that happens in a relationship breakup. Think about a personal relationship. You go through all of these things, but no one supports you or gives you the comfort you need when you break up from corporate. They give you all the support you need in a personal breakup. They'll bring wine over or tequila. It depends. <laughs> They'll bring you know ice cream. They'll come over to tell you to work on yourself before you move on. And how dare that person do that to you? When you break up from corporate, they're like, that girl needs to find another job. That's right. <laughs> and so you, it, what I'm saying is that both of the emotions happen and they both need healing from. And that's what I help. I help through meditation. I help through, you know, making sure there's healthy eating involved. There's exercise moving on from, a, I like to use the acronym moves. So after you go through these, this grieving stage, um, you need to make moves and moves is an acronym for you need a mindset reset. And we do that through meditation. We do that through healthy eating, through exercise, enough sleep, water, helping. I help you with those things. And then you have to own a new title. I'm sorry if you were SVP or VP or COO, whatever it was, you now have to take ownership of your own life. And that's when I like to say the CEO of your life. That's a, the biggest title you could ever have. And then the V is value those relationships you built along the way. Talk to people who are in your circle and use them as mentors and make, we can build you a personal board of directors. Five different people who do five different things that they're already doing. You may not be aware that they're doing these things. E is evaluate your money. That is the biggest thing and it's going to change. And everyone has situations where their money their, their money situation comes from wherever. Like it could have come through a divorce where you understand your relationship with money. You have to know what that relationship is. So for me, I like to say I come from humble beginnings because I really did. My parents came from humble beginnings. Their parents came from humble beginnings. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Everyone has a relationship with money. Once you figure out what your relationship is, it'll help you identify what you need to do as an entrepreneur now. And the last thing is the most important thing. It's the S and that is share your story. So many people embarrassed because they got let go. Embarrassed. That could be your savior. And you, you have to look at it that way. Share your story. If I had not been here sharing my story right now, someone else is out there listening to me and they're like, you know what? I've gone through this. I, I, I'm just trying to figure it out. But had I not shared, they don't know that I went through it or how I overcame it. I didn't know because somebody else went through it and I listened to their story and it just goes on. So you have to be vulnerable. Vulnerability is not a negative term. You have to be vulnerable. So yeah, it's so important. And I, I always tell leaders this, right? They're like, well, I don't want to be vulnerable. 
I say, look, if people don't see themselves in your story, they don't care about your success. And if you're a leader, you need people to care about your success because you need them to help you get where you're going. Yeah. And that's true of everybody. But, and I feel like, and I, I want your opinion too. I know this is your show, but I need your opinion. But please, don't you think it's harder when you're in corporate to share your story though? Oh, I think it definitely is. Um, you know, especially up to a certain level. Yes. Because once, you know, there's kind of like this place where you're like set, right? And then you feel like you can, you know, you can start to kind of unbutton a little bit, but I see it a lot. Like, you know, you'll even see it in CEOs and the stories they tell, right? People don't connect. They don't, the stories don't land. And it wasn't until I was working at a big company and our CEO was telling us a story about when he immigrated to the United States, he didn't have a winter coat. He didn't know he needed a winter coat. Wow. And somebody helped him find a place to live and got him a coat. And I was like, wow, this is the first time I ever saw him as a real person. See, that's not as a suit. Yeah. And so when, when leaders don't want to share those stories, I'm like, no, you need to. Because you've got thousands of people or hundreds of people or four people that need to hear that. So they know that you're, you know, where they're coming from, that, that, that you can relate to them on a human level. And not necessarily not necessarily that you share that story, like you, you have the same story, but just to hear, I think you said this the best, that you're human. I want to know that you're human. I don't want you to stand up here and say, go get this and do that. And you came from a boatload of money. And now you're telling me what, no, I want to hear your story. How did you get to where you are? How are you um, getting there now? How, what, tr- what struggles did you have along the way? That that humanizes your job. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that too, and I want to be careful about this because sometimes people say, well, you know, and I'm not implying that you said this, but I want to make sure that I, I close the loop on this. Even people that come from a lot of money, they may not have had to worry about money, but that doesn't mean they haven't struggled. Right. And there's another story. Right. Everybody and so if, story. Yeah. if they tell those stories, right, maybe, you know, maybe they had a lot of money, but they were neglected as children. Yeah. Because they're, you know, their families were too important to, you know, like my kids probably feel right now, even though we don't have a lot of money, um, <laughs> but it's a pandemic and I got to work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe their parents died when they were young or maybe there's something. Yeah. Everyone. Right. There's something. Before. Everybody has a thing. Yes. And it's the thing that connects us, not the success. Right. Your success does not connect you to anybody. The struggle is what connects you and the success is what people want to see after they're, after you're connected. Absolutely. Well said, Amy. (laughs) Why? Thank you, Katrina. So where can people find you? Somebody says, you know what? I just got laid off or as was the case for me, I'm not getting laid off and I got to get out of here. I got bigger fish to fry. Yeah. I'm wanting to break up with corporate or I'm facing a corporate breakup. I need to know how to steal my skills so I can be successful on my own terms. How can they find you? They can find me through my website. It is thecorporatebreakup.com. And I'm on all social media platforms as KRODDY65. That's K-R-O-D-D-Y-6-5. Wonderful. We will make sure to put that in the show notes. Thank you. Katrina, I want to thank you so much for being here. You are a delight. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great show and I love your platform. So thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you so much.
Living Corporate is brought to you by The Break Room. Have you ever felt burnt out, depressed, or otherwise exhausted by being one of the onlys at work? You know what I'm talking about. Hosted by black psychologists, psychiatrists, and PhDs, The Break Room is a live weekly web show in the Living Corporate Network that discusses mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. Name another weekly show explicitly focused on mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. I'll wait. This is why you got to check out The Break Room, airing every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on livingcorporate.tv. Okay, did you all love Katrina? I love Katrina. Uh, what I loved about this interview is that, you know, Katrina is like so good at seeing all of these big pieces, right? And how, how all the little pieces fit into the big picture, but also about pattern matching really quickly. So, um, you know, she's just really good at kind of teasing out like the essence of someone and, you know, the essence of what they need to move forward. And that's a skill frankly, that she stole from corporate. So if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Living Corporate and share us with your friends and colleagues. And hey, you can really help us out by leaving us a six-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Now, maybe you're new to this show and you're thinking, Amy, there are only five stars. What are you talking about? Well, give us all of those stars and then go the next step by leaving just a couple of sentences in your own words, telling us what you liked about the episode or the series. Don't forget to visit living-corporate.com to learn more about our other podcasts, videos, web shows, and more. See It To Be It is brought to you in part by my company, Lead At Any Level, a certified woman and LGBTQ-owned business dedicated to helping organizations turn their reclusive nerds into inclusive leaders. Lead at any level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. That's it for this episode of See It To Be It. This is Amy C. Wanninger, and I'll see you next week. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.